Welcome to the Core Principles Podcast. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you'll enjoy this lively discussion of relevant topics, which we attempt to examine through the lens of unchanging objective truth. Here's the host of the Core Principles Podcast, Clay Howerton. Thank you, Suzanne. Today on Core Principles, I'm very pleased to welcome the Senior Foundations Officer of Christian Appalachian Project, Dennis Jacobs. How are you today, Dennis? I'm doing great. I appreciate this opportunity. Well, thank you for joining me. I wanted to start out uh, asking you to tell listeners a little bit about yourself, uh, your background, what led you eventually to your current position with Christian Appalachian Project. Well, I guess I should begin with my educational background in that it's related to what we do at Christian Appalachian Project, and that's that uh, after many years of school, I ended up in the seminary and stayed for a very long time. I got a master's in theological studies and studied with a lot of people who are now priests and pastors around the country. One of the things that many of my comrades were doing was going off to work for a week at Christian Appalachian Project. And they would tell me stories about a guy named Father Ralph Biting. And and they were always kind of the more dynamic folks that I knew while I was there. You know, uh, the people who were trying to make things happen. After that, I went into uh, higher education. I got a PhD in educational policy, and I began to look at the whole world as an educational process. How do you tell people things in such a way that they understand what you've come to understand? So uh, I did some work with the Department of Energy. I worked with some people on inventions. I had done some social work. I went to a little church when I moved to Berea 30 years ago called St. Clair's Catholic Church. And you'll never guess who founded it. It was founded by Father Ralph Biding. So there's that name again. And then I started meeting people, and a a lot of them were retired, or a lot of them were older, and they'd been here since the 60s. And I said, why did you come to Berea? Well, guess what, Clay? They came to be volunteers at Christian Appalachian Project. So here I am in a room full of people. Many of them work at the college, or they run Habitat for Humanity, or they're the chaplain with hospice, or they're running the food bank, and they all came to Berea to be volunteers for Christian Appalachian Project, or to Eastern Kentucky, and ended up in Berea, which is no longer a Christian Appalachian Project county, because it's successful enough to to transition. That's my spiritual family, my, my children grew up surrounded by those people, and that's kind of who they think the world is made up of. And after working in higher education for about 20 years, I found myself without a job. And I got a call from a friend who worked for Christian Appalachian Project, and he said, would you like to apply for a job? And I did, and and it wasn't a job I wanted, but it was a job I could do. And uh, they called me back. They said, we have to hire somebody working for us for that job because we try to tr- do certain things with our workers. And But would you apply for the job as a foundations director? And I said, sure. And the reason for that is that every job I had since I left the seminary, I wrote grants on the side. I wrote proposals trying to get more money to do things that were not in the budget, off budget. So now is being invited to take that skill that I had developed all the way up to writing a grant with the Department of Energy for an inventor to make that my life. 
and to do it in a place where I cared what they did and what how much money they had and, and how much impact they had. It's really just the story of my good fortune, thanks to Christian Appalachian Project kind of always being waiting for me, I think. And it sounds also, Dennis, like it's the story of God's providence working in your life. Uh, he gave you certain gifts, like he gives everyone certain gifts, and they're different and unique and specialized. And he puts you in situations where you could develop that and then put it to use to his glory, all while you're living your life and not necessarily recognizing how he's organized and orchestrated this whole thing. Does that feel about right? Practically, I was unaware I had no idea that this was where I was going or that I would like it so much. But, you know, God God has his way all the time. And I always believed that, but I, I really didn't see myself as having this opportunity. So um, I was really pleased to find that I could be, in fact, really useful at CAT. That's the way God works, and it's really beautiful to see. You've already hinted at some of the activities of Christian Appalachian Project, but what is uh, the overall mission of CAP? You know, it took it took a long time for CAP to articulate exactly what they wanted to say. But our mission is building hope, transforming lives, and sharing Christ's love through service in Appalachia. So we help transform lives by making a house warm, safe, warm, and dry for a family so that the kids can study, so that the grandmother can be comfortable, so that they can have guests and family and positive time. We build ramps so that people can get in and out to go to church and to the store. We have elderly services and we visit people and we bring holiday support and we engage in their lives. We provide food through backpack programs and food banks. We just opened another one, Clay, in McCurry County last summer. It was a an absolute joy to be able to meet a need in Northern McCreary County that wasn't being met. And we are uh, so blessed with donors who've said, well, let's build the building. We have summer camps for kids. When kids live in a small place on a small hill in a small house and have a small world, to go off to camp where they can get in a canoe and use a fishing rod and go for a hike and spend times with counselors, volunteers from all over the country. We have over a thousand volunteers a year in different ways. Some of them are full-time volunteers. Some of them are part-time. Some of them are short-time. And some of them are from our community. And we're having more and more people in the community who have been through programs, who've done well, who are becoming part of our team, team leadership, or even coming back as AmeriCorps volunteers now, which is something we didn't see before. So that's that's happening. We have we have a counseling program, Clay, for people at, who are at risk in several counties. We cover about 4,000 square miles of territory where we provide services. We give respite to people who have to take care of an ill spouse or an ill child who can never get out of the house. Uh, they tell stories about, we went to visit this uh, uh, one lady and they would say, where do you want to go? She'd say to bed. And she would go to bed while they were there and sleep because she she was aware that the person was safe. When I said I see it all as an educational process, I 
while we provide people the kind of education they need in lots of ways, we're especially in working with these students in the local schools to provide tutoring. And now with COVID, we've been having online tutoring to help people to make it. You know how hard school has been for people during this pandemic. If you don't have computers, if you don't have resources, we can provide those. And we're doing cooperations with the local schools. They let us use their programs to get in there and help the students that they just can't adequately help. And we've always done that, but not in this format. We have had camp in a box over the last two years so that they get activities and calls and Zoom meetings with people so that even though they couldn't meet in person, they can be engaged and they can be encouraged. And when they went back to school, they knew who we were because we were able to serve more kids that way than we were able to serve in person. Yes. Well, I I hear these vast array of uh, sort of activities that CAP is involved in, and it makes me wonder, do you have sort of synergistic relationships with other ministries that may be involved more explicitly with one or more of those activities? Like you you mentioned counseling. Maybe some people are having uh, issues with controlling substances that they're breaking free from, those sorts of things. And there are other Christian ministries that are involved in those areas. How do you relate with them? I'm glad you asked that, Clay, because it's it's really exciting what CAP can do. CAP leverages several functions. So we have 17 human service programs, which I mentioned. We also have this large cadre of vigorous volunteer program, which I talked about. And that includes like 23 to 30 full-time volunteers a year, typically. People who are here to spend the whole time. And a lot of those stay around, then they stay for two years, and then they stay and ask for a job. (laughs) And so we have people from every decade as volunteers now working in our programs. We have a program called Operation Sharing. Last year, Operation Sharing, which started from somebody saying, Father Biting, could you give away some books and bears? And Father Brian saying, yes, I don't care how many you bring, I can give them away, to a corporate in-kind program called Operation Sharing. So while we serve this 4,000 square mile territory with programs, we also have Operation Sharing, which collects corporate gifts from Brothers Brothers and God's Pantry in different places and distributes durable goods and food throughout Appalachia, Arkansas and Missouri. So we partner with 1,093 other nonprofits, providing them with these materials. Sometimes they come and get them, sometimes we take them. And you could say, well, that's that's great. Sounds like y'all have a lot of money. Well, what it really sounds like is that to acquire, store, warehouse, inventory, and distribute those goods, we spend $3 million a year. But the impact is crazy. Here's an example. There's a drug program, you know, because we don't do drug programs. There's a drug program in uh, Appalachian, Eastern Kentucky, where they provide housing, and then they provide transitional apartments, and then they hire the people who graduate from their program. You can say, well, well, what could CAP do? Well, every one of those apartments has a stove, and most of those were provided by CAP. Every one of them has a tile floor. And most of that tile floor was provided by CAP. Most of them have plumbing and fixtures that were provided by CAP. 
because they were corporate donations. So we share those things to enable the Christ-centered human kindness that takes place all over Appalachia. More than $60 million worth of those materials went to nonprofits in Eastern Kentucky last year. Amazing. Because that's where the need is greatest. I'm glad you mentioned that amount because that would shock a lot of listeners that that large a quantity of resources is uh, what you distribute. I noticed on your uh, website, christianapp.org, that you've got some statistics even just on the front page of what you've done in the past year or so. And I was blown away by like nearly 420,000 pounds of food distributed. That's incredible. Close to 300 homes repaired, rebuilt, furnished, uh, the way you were talking about with uh, infrastructure needs. And uh, just absolutely incredible, the scope of your reach. Uh, How do you account for that? Was it something that took a long time to grow into that? Or how did that come to be such a large outreach? That's a great question. You know, we have 150 employees, but Father Biting started out, he was in Lancaster and Berea, neither one of which are distressed counties now. So neither Lancaster nor Berea has cap operations, but we got a lot of cap people here. But uh, a lady just retired who'd been here since the 70s, who was from Lancaster and drives to Mount, drove to Mount Vernon every day. She's still volunteering, by the way. Uh, her name was Kathy Klusner, and she's an example of somebody who came early and had an impact. And young people would come. Pretty soon, community people would volunteer. But it started out with Father Biting inviting his family <laughs> and going to Northern Kentucky and saying to other uh, priests and religious and to his family, get down here on Saturday. We're going to do a house. Get down here. What well, He couldn't come down without a car full of food, which he often wrecked, by the way. I <laughs> don't even want to go into that story because he didn't sleep. I mean, he just was tireless. And his gift became other gifts, so many other gifts. And his volunteers became other volunteers. Even the person that does our videos started out as a cap volunteer. And he showed up and they said, we didn't tell you you could come. And he said, well, get to work. (laughs) So (laughs) you just never know. Uh, God works. You know, there's a saying that's been going around, and I don't know where it originated, but look where God is working and go there. Yes. And that's what people have been doing since the very beginning. They see God working and they come here and they make a difference. And like I say, we don't have to preach. We have to be the hands and feet of Christ. We have to make the difference. We have to carry the cross. Our people don't tire or become cynical. I've seen people who've worked for us for 35 years who are still moved by every little thing. Clay, there are stories that I would hesitate to tell. But can I have just one? Please. Okay, we're doing a housing project, right? And we have all these teenagers. And I, I remember this this story was collected by Ronnie, who's uh, the elderly housing, which means our elderly program identifies somebody who needs housing repair, and then they provide it. So they get a call, and he goes out to meet Savannah, which is not her real name. And her house is, of course, a wreck, and she has to walk forever to get down, and it's not safe coming off the porch, and she has to get to the mailbox, and, you know, it's not good. But she is there, and he comes in, and she says, 
I don't think it matters if anybody works on this house or not. I don't care if I'm here next week or two weeks from now. So he's getting ready to plan the youth fest, work fest. He's got volunteers. And so he says, well, let me come back. Let me figure out what we can do. And he goes back and then he comes again so that he can check on her to do the rest of his assessment. But really he's just checking on her because this woman is so depressed, so unhappy. She said he didn't see her smile. He didn't see her laugh. He just saw her sad and tired and hungry. So he goes off and two weeks later, they have volunteers come in to put a porch on the front of her house. But of course, while they're there, they decide they're going to put a floor in and put a window in and put a deck on the back of her house so she can actually look at the mountain that she lives on. And uh, they're doing all this work. And he says to two of the volunteers, your job is just to give Savannah attention. Don't worry about anything else. So he comes during the week and she's sitting there all sad and not the least bit encouraged and everybody's working all around her and they're having their lunch and they're praying together before and after this, the day. And she's watching all this, but the third day he comes, he noticed that uh, somebody is brushing her hair and she's almost smiling. He says, she just almost has a smile on her face and he's just amazed by that, but they just keep it up. They keep working. And he knows of course, that he's decided to work on this house for two weeks because they got to build two decks and they got to make things happen. So the next time he comes, Somebody is rubbing her feet and somebody else is brushing her hair and she's kind of smiling. She looks pretty happy. She looks pretty content. He says, well, we're going to come back next week. I hope you don't mind, Savannah. She says, no, I guess not. You know, (laughs) so they come the next week. And on Wednesday, of course, Thursday's the last day because the teenagers got to go home. You know, everybody's got to leave. And of course, there's some adults with them. And to them say, can we leave this? Tomorrow morning, we want to go get a cake because it's Savannah's birthday. So on Thursday, he brings a cake and he goes to the back porch and he he takes the the cake and uh, she's out front and they all kind of walk her through the house. And here they are all gathered around a crew of 10 people or so and her cake and they sing happy birthday to her. And she starts to cry and she says, I am 77 years old. And I've never had a birthday cake before. Mm. We have stories every day that move us. And um, if you start to get a little bit cynical, you'll get caught. Well, that is very encouraging. And it occurs to me also, I've been thinking about something you said early on about your mission and how it is explicitly Christian, but you're not there preaching. You are, in fact, demonstrating with your hands and feet and in service God's love for each of us. And so I would say, Dennis, that uh, Christian Appalachian Project is absolutely sharing the gospel just in a way that is uh, with hands and feet rather than just uh, with words. And those little snippets from that story of how they've gathered and they're praying over their meal, and uh, certainly it occurs to anyone receiving such care, why are you here? And the answer, of course, becomes obvious. We're here because God directed us to you. And that is a witness uh, for Christ, for sure. I couldn't agree more. I, I love the way we've articulated it, sharing Christ's love through service. Yes, sir. And in that regard, it is explicitly Christian because they know why you came. And it's in your name. So if they thought about, well, 
Christian Appalachian Project is helping me. What is this Christianity? Uh, that's a door that's opening to the heart that God can reach in and say, because I love you. As we wrap up, uh, it's been really great to learn more about Christian Appalachian Project. Um, we've mentioned so many different things, and the scope is just overwhelming. Also, the budget and the way that you interact with other organizations uh, to meet huge, overwhelming needs. For people who are interested, and hopefully uh, that includes a lot of people who are interested in learning more about CAP, uh, I've mentioned your website, christianapp.org. If they go there, is that the very best way to get engaged, whether they wanted to volunteer or contribute, or are there other ways to interact with Christian Appalachian Project? I think that that is the very best way to connect yourself because the volunteer program folks are there. You can get through. But uh, I welcome anyone. Anyone can call us. But that number, of course, it's on the website. It's 859-269-0635. That's 859-269-0635. And as you said, the website is christianapp.org. But also, if a person, you know, was particularly interested in, in having me to provide them with a link, they can, they can certainly call and ask for me. I'm happy to take that call. And I think you'll find that anybody you meet at CAP is happy to take that call. Well, thank you so much, Dennis Jacobs uh, from Christian Appalachian Project. It's been a blessing to learn about this ministry, and I'm uh, praying that God will keep enriching you and your co-workers and volunteers as you enrich the lives of so many others. Clay, I hope it won't be inappropriate for me to, to say that you also work with Karsten Meyer Foundation. Yes, sir. And that Karsten Meyer has been selected by CAP as National Philanthropy Day's Philanthropy of the Year this year because of your tremendous support of Christian Appalachian Project. We have a lot of work to do, and we couldn't do it without our donors. There's We, we don't produce anything but kindness, so we appreciate your support very much. Yes, sir. Well, it's a great blessing to be involved with that foundation, and uh, it, it's obviously very gracious of your organization to have nominated Carson Meyer Foundation for that award. For me, being able to work on the foundation is, is just a really rich blessing because uh, the resource that we're giving out, of course, I never had anything to do with producing, but I get to see the, the fruit of it uh, so many years after it was earned over decades. And uh, I know that those who were involved in earning it are smiling as they see the good works that people like you are doing with what they had earned way back when. So thank you for that, Dennis, and uh, God bless you. Thank you very much, and God bless you. Core Principles Podcast is produced in Paducah, Kentucky by Real Productions. Music is by Late July, L-E-I-G-H-T July. You can find our music on all streaming services or at latejuly.com. Thank you for joining us today for this episode of the Core Principles Podcast. Please visit core.buzzsprout.com for more information. And please share with your friends. We look forward to visiting with you again on our next episode.